Hey, welcome to SOMA. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Nick Lesmeiser, and uh, I was a member here for a very long time, and uh, I live now in Dallas, Fort Worth, with my wife, Tabitha, who's sitting right here with her parents, and um, I'm an overseeing elder now of SOMA, and I'm the president and CEO of an organization called the Messianic Jewish Bible Institute, which is graciously supported by SOMA and has been for a really long time. Um, before I was in ministry, um, leading a ministry, I was an entrepreneur, lived here in Tyler. We still have a home in Tyler in the country, and it's really an honor to be here. I'm really excited to talk about, um, to, to have a part in this series, because I think this series is really important, and I think this is the kind of series that if you pay enough attention, and if you listen, and you apply the principles that are going to be taught to you both in the past two weeks, tonight, and in the weeks ahead, I really believe this is going to change your life. I really believe that these principles in this series, the importance of this topic, is huge. And I think also there is a stirring around the world, not just here in this church, but around the world for messages like this, that this is a theme that I'm running into. In the last six months, I've been in 13 different countries. I've flown like 130,000 miles on an airplane. It's enough to make your head spin. It's like five times around the globe or something. And this is something I'm hearing in a lot of places that I go and minister. It's this idea about pushing, in being in the race, grinding, going forward, using effort, getting in, digging, going deeper. And so I hope that as you hear what I'm about to share tonight, and as you've heard the last couple of weeks and the weeks to come, that you will really apply these things in your life because I think they're of critical importance, not just to you personally, but to this community, to this state, to this country, and to the nations of the world because you have a part to play. And if you're not playing that part to the maximum extent that God is calling you to, then we're all losing out. And I think Marvin talked a little bit about that last week. We're all in this together. So I'm excited to be here. And um, I, tonight we're going to talk about uh, another step in this process. The first week that Tony taught about was the prize. Uh, what is the prize at the end of the race? And, and I think he did a great job of really explaining that, hey, the prize isn't getting to heaven. The prize isn't finishing the race. I was just in a 5K um, on um, Wednesday morning, Tuesday morning, this last Tuesday morning in Minnesota, and uh, I was with my five-year-old, so I literally finished dead last, and um, we did it in like 57 minutes, but guess what? I finished the race. You're going to finish the race too. There's one thing you can be certain of here tonight is that you are going to die, and I don't mean that morbidly, but it's true. We have a certain amount of time on this earth, and the race is over. And you're going to cross the finish line. And if you're here tonight, there's a high percentage chance that you're going to cross the finish line into glory to be with the Lord. And the prize that you will then receive is to hear him say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're working for. Not just to finish the race, to come across the finish line, to be the first one across the finish line or the last one across the finish line. We want to cross the finish line and in our own context, hear the Lord say to us, great job. You were faithful. You did a great job. 
You didn't come in first. You didn't come in second. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is you were faithful to finish the race and do the things that I called you to do. So the second week, last week, Marvin talked about the preparation, and I loved the points that he brought out of this. The first one, being all in. And he used a reference of Jesus anointing one of his disciples and saying, not just my feet, but my hands and my head. Anoint me all, all the way. I want to be all in. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the pressing. The pressing. And Tony was actually even mentioning it as we were finishing up worship about pressing in. And this is something that we hear a lot about, of um, pressing into the Lord and, and pressing into what he has for us. And I want to explore this a little bit. Because I think it's an important topic, and I think it's something that, um, like I said earlier, I know that we as a ministry, our ministry feels very passionate about this topic. We have an annual fundraiser in November. uh, This year it's in September, actually. And um, we pray every year about what is the theme of this fundraiser? What's the theme that we feel God is communicating that we want to talk to our supporters about? And this year we came up with the theme, Determined. Because we just felt like coming out of the end of last year that God was just stirring us to be focused, to be passionate, to be persevering, to be determined in our focus on what's ahead for us. And so we were very uh, blessed to be able to um, engage with Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith is going to be speaking with us. He's going to be our special guest for our banquet. And what Emmett Smith is most well known for is not that he was the biggest guy or that he was the fastest guy, or that he was the smartest guy, or the strongest guy. I mean, he's the NFL's all-time leading rusher. You guys know this, right? Many people say that what made him great is that he was the best second-effort runner in the game of football. So when Emma Smith would go three yards and get smacked by some guy three times his size, what set him apart was that he took a step back and he pushed forward even harder. He gave a second effort that no one else was giving And it ended up leading him down the field many times into wide open spaces. We feel like as a ministry for us, and I feel like this is a word for the body, there's a second effort push that's needed. There's a second effort push that God's calling us to, to say, okay, you've been smacked, you've been hit, something's happened, you've been set back. What do you do now? Do you fall back? Oh, I'm going to gain three yards. Let's just do another play and see what I can do next. Or do you push in and see if you can get another two or three or ten or twenty? And so tonight I want to talk about this pressing in. And so open your Bibles to uh, Philippians 3. We're going to look at Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I'll read it for you. Actually, I think it's on the screen if you want to look at it there. This is Paul, and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. To possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I want to give you three points tonight about the pressing. The act of being pressed, of being in the press. Number one is pressing in. Pressing in. You look at verse 12 and verse 14. Paul says, I press on. I'm pressing. He communicates this idea of exerting some force. And if you're here tonight, which you are, 
Okay? You can pinch yourself. This is real life. You're in the race, like I said. And more than likely, you're in the race of faith. You're a believer in Jesus. You're here because you want to grow in your faith, right? We're all in the race. I think Tony communicated that so well last week that whether or not we like it, we're in the race. And I, lo- I, lo- I loved his example of the guy that you were running a, a race and uh, the guy just stopped running and he like wandered off into the woods <laughs> and nobody knows if he ever came back, you know? <laughs> we can't do that, can we? You can't just check out and become a vegetable in your living room. Life happens and life is going to continue to happen around you. Whether or not you want to participate is not a choice that you get to make. You're here. You're in it. You got to eat. You got to sleep. Hopefully you got to brush your teeth. All these things. So you have a choice to make. You can be in it. And there are a lot of people who are in the race who are doing just that. Coasting along. And there's a lot of people that even out of good intentions are there. And we'll talk a little bit more about maybe why that is later. But we're in the race and it's our choice if you want to press in. If you want to do what Paul says, okay, I made, a, I made a confession of faith. I'm following Jesus as my Savior. Awesome. But now it's time to take the next step to press into that. Not to just go along and see what happens and go with the flow, but to press into what he has called you to do. Um, I lived for a year in Israel. And... Um, <laughs> The first day I went to, I, I got a master's degree in Israel. And the first day that I went to college, I had to ride the bus. And uh, I don't know if any of you have been to Israel, okay? I don't know if you've ever even rid a, rode a bus. This is Tyler, Texas. Buses are kind of like, what's that, you know? Like a charter bus? Public transportation? What is that, you know? We're Texans. We don't need public transportation. I got an SUV. <laughs> so I'm getting on the bus. I'm standing at the bus stop. This bus comes flying in like 80 miles an hour, almost takes out like seven people, right? And um, there's a ton of people crowded up. Like, say, this is the front of the bus. And I'm a good American, right? I'm going to just let these people get on the bus. Hey, pl- go ahead, please. I insist. No, you go first. No, please. You have the best seat. And so there's a little old lady standing in front of me. And we're, I'm waiting to get on the bus. And I'm noticing, man, this thing's crowded. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll let the little old lady get on. So, so here's what she does. She, here's the bus, okay? She steps up onto the bus. And I'm standing down here. She gets on the bus, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll wait for her to move so I can have space to step up in there. No, door shut, boom, bus gone. (laughs) What? What just happened? And I realized, if I don't press in, like get in someone's space, I'm never going to get on a bus in Israel. Ever. I will be waiting forever. There's no bus that's ever going to come by that's just like, nobody on the bus. They don't exist. If that happened, I would have to pinch myself and wonder if the world was over. Wow, there's a bus with no one on it. What's going on? Well, there's maybe a bomb on it or, you know, the the world has ended. We have to press in. Because if you don't press in, you're going to miss the bus. Amen? If you don't press in, you're going to miss what God's calling you to. If you don't press in, you're going to miss your kid's childhood. If you don't press in, you're going to miss something at your job. If you don't press in, you're going to miss getting to know your spouse in a way that is meaningful, that after 50 years, you can actually look at one another and say, I really know you and trust you. If you don't press in, you'll miss it. You'll miss it all. This is the life that God's calling us to. So I think a lot of you here are pressing in. I really do. I think this is a church where A lot of people who aren't pressing in don't stay around for very long because you're called to press in here. 
So the second point is pressing on. Because many of you are already actively pursuing the Lord. You're making a decisive effort to follow Him. And I'm sorry, I forgot to... to, This is important. Maybe we can go back. I forgot to uh, define what press meant. You can see it here. To move rapidly and decisively toward an object. Decisively toward it. Not just, well, I'm just going to kind of wander over here and see what happens. It's, no, I see that. I'm going towards it. I'm not moving. There's nothing that's going to stop me from going towards this thing. You're making a decisive move towards something. It's important to... Know that that's what Paul's talking about in verses 12 and 14 of the third chapter of Ephesians. So, so you're here, you're pressing in, right? And then what happens? Let's hear from Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's the truth, isn't it? And this is a life of faith. Man, Lord, I got a plan. Three years from now, I'm going to be the CEO of this company. I'm going to have three beautiful kids. I'm going to have a nice job. I'm going to have a nice car. My spouse is going to be happy. We're going to take two-week vacation. Boom! Punched in the mouth by life. What happened? Your plan seems just, just totally sidetracked, derailed. You're disoriented. I think all of us can attest, especially if you're parents, this happens a lot. Right? My wife and I just uh, took my family to Israel. We were there for about six weeks. And uh, my daughter's five. My son is turning, he's two today, actually. And, um, oh my goodness, you know. Okay, we're going to get off the plane. We're going to go get lunch. Then we're going to go to the next place. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. Then we're going to get on the plane. 15 minutes, we're going to get to the gate 15 minutes before the plane boards. Get in our seats, have everything set. And then, well, I'll just sing Kumbaya. Yeah, right. You get off the plane. Dad, I need to go TT. I, I just took you to the bathroom. Why didn't you go? Why did I have to go then? Dad, I'm hungry. When are we going to stop and get food? I can't walk anymore. Can you carry me? You're just like, where did the plan go wrong? We went over this, everyone. We get off the plane. We go get lunch. We get our coffee. Then we get on the plane. It's simple. Right? Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 10, this is Paul again. He says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. This is another version of using the word press, but this is actually a word pressed, which in Greek is thilbo, and it means pressured to give up, be discouraged, to be pressed like a grape. And I know that that example that I just gave was maybe a little bit more of an everyday example, but there are people in this room tonight, and I can attest as being one of these people, where you felt pressured to give up. And I'm not talking about giving up on your marriage. I'm not talking about giving up on your family or giving up on your job. I'm just talking about, like this video said, I don't want to get up at 3 a.m. in the morning. I don't want to get up and do that thing. I don't want to go and put a little bit of extra effort into that. I'm discouraged. I've been pressed. I went into that situation. I got pressed like a grape. Everything oozed out of me when I tried to do that thing that I set out to do, that plan that I had. And then life hit me. I got hit with a little bit of life at the end of this last year. I had this great plan. I've been pushing really hard and traveling. And we're going to go out to our house out here in the country. And, man, we're going to take 10 days off, have a vacation. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ride my tractor, mow my yard, mow my pasture. Limb some trees, listen to some country music. It was going to be awesome. 
recharge, reset, right? The day I start vacation, I get an email from one of our school coordinators for our Bible schools in Ethiopia, and he's basically just blowing everything to pieces. I'm not going to do any more work for you. I can't believe all this. I want all this money from you. And the next thing I know, for three days straight, I'm having to answer emails that are like 500 words long each, going back and forth, being in this super stressful situation. So I put that to bed. I'm not answering any more emails because I'm on vacation. Two days after Christmas, my dad calls me. He texts me and says, hey, can you talk? Well, sure, what's up? Well, is Tabitha there? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I need to get your brothers on the phone too, so just a minute. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Find out my dad has stage four pancreatic cancer, which is basically the most deadly cancer there is, and I'm getting pressed. This comes after the fact that I felt from the Lord in the three days of my vacation that it was time for me at the start of the new year to press in. Remember I was telling you about this word about being determined? I had this stirring thing inside me. The Lord is speaking to me. Let's go, let's go, let's go. There, there's a word in Hebrew. It's borrowed from Arabic called yalla. You hear it all the time. Yalla, yalla, yalla. And this was the thing that was just resonating in my spirit. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Get up, move, go out, do something. And all of a sudden, I'm staring at a tragedy. A real trial. I'm like, Lord, I had a plan. Just got punched in the mouth. And there's tragedies that will come upon us, and this is what will happen. We will get pressed. We will get discouraged. Not to the point where we're going to throw away our faith, though that can happen. And I've seen it happen with people. But the first level of discouragement isn't to just give up on Jesus. The first level of discouragement is to step back a little bit, coast for a little while. Just take a break. It's just kind of a hard season. Okay? It's a little bit of a hard season. Just slow down a little. Breathe, rest. It's going to be okay. You feel like you've been squeezed out. The life was being squeezed out of you. That's how I felt. I felt like the life was being squeezed out of me. And this thing in Ethiopia just kept going on for like six months. I called Tony when I was in Jerusalem. And I had a, an opportunity before me to, go to, to, to fly to Ethiopia. And I just told him, I said, man, I'm done. I can't do it. I can't do it. I put way too much effort into this. I'm exhausted. I am worn out. I have nothing else to say. I have no, nothing else to do to try to reconcile the situation. I've sent a ton of money over there. I've sent a ton of emails over there. I'm trying to do everything that I can. And he said, Nick, you don't have a choice. You have to finish the race. You don't have a choice. I get that you're tired, but you have to press on. You don't have a choice. And I'm grateful for his friendship that he can say that to me. We all need friends that can say that to us when we're in times of our hard. You don't have a choice to stop right now. You have to keep going. There's two kinds of pressure, I feel like, broadly, that can befall us. One is involuntary pressure, and I just mentioned what an involuntary pressure is. You have no control over it. If your parent calls you and says they have cancer, or if someone dies tragically, that's involuntary. You have no control over that pressure being exerted on you. It's just something that happens in our lives. And then there's voluntary pressure. Voluntary pressure is one that we get to have a little bit of a choice in. Sometimes the voluntary pressure is actually, turns out to feel like involuntary pressure. Because you make a bad choice. Or you set yourself up for something. We don't have time to talk about that right now. But 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says in verse 17... 
Our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Whether the pressure that you go through is an involuntary pressure, one that fell on you, or a voluntary pressure, this is the reality. If we don't lift our eyes up and look to the prize, if we don't lift our eyes up and look at what's being produced inside of us through the pressure, then we will fall back. We'll stop pressing in. And then we'll stop pressing on. Because the goal is not just to press in, for a little while and fall back, but to keep pressing in, to keep pressing on, no matter what happens. You know, I, um, I mentioned earlier that I fly a lot for the ministry because we have Bible schools in eight different countries, and so everything's based abroad. And uh, people tell me all the time, wow, you're flying all the time, you know. I mean, you, it's various things about it. There's a lot of glamour that's involved with flying. You get to travel to all these different countries, and it's a huge blessing. I'm so grateful for it. But I have to tell you, I don't just get on a plane and just, like, put my feet up and, this is awesome. I get on my plane and my heart starts to palpitate a little bit. Uh, I wonder if this plane's going to crash. That pilot's voice did not sound very comforting. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just got on the job today, first time, but I hope you enjoy your 10-hour trip across the Atlantic. I got a good co-pilot up here with me. He's been on the job for about two months. We're going to figure this thing out, don't worry. These things pretty much fly themselves these days. <laughs> I still get nervous flying. I don't like being away from home. When I was a kid, I'd go across town like five blocks, and I'd have to call my dad to come get me. I was so homesick. <laughs> Thank you for the, <laughs> for the compassion there. Oh, <laughs> little Nikki, <laughs> Getting homesick. But you know what? This is a pressure that I voluntarily choose to put myself in. Why? Because I go out and I get to a place where nothing else can help me but Jesus. I can't just turn around, okay? I'm three continents away. (laughs) I can't just say, I'm I'm just going to retreat. People are waiting for me. And I choose to do this, even though it's really hard. I I could choose a different career. I really could. But I love what it produces in me. I love what it says, what Paul is saying. There's a glory that's being produced in me that drives me to being in a place of intimacy with the Lord, of learning what it means to fight through these things. I've had the holy moment where you're like, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me this plane's going to crash. You better step off. I press on. I press in. I want to keep going. I want these things to, to squeeze something out of me that's not supposed to be there. In James 1, 3 five, through 5, it says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come to you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work. So you may become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. I'm, I, believe me, guys, I am not a, <laughs> I'm not a hero in the faith. I've cried in front of my wife many times and in front of other people because I've been pressed too hard. But I really do believe, and I know, and I can attest to you, I can be a witness to you that when you put yourself through a pressing time, when you volunteer yourself to do something that you're afraid to do 
or that you're nervous of doing, when the Lord is in it with you, I can tell you what's going to come out of that is going to be something beautiful. I have so many times been sitting in a corner in a random place in Africa or Europe or somewhere, and I've, I've just been crying. I was in Japan in March, and I just got on my knees in, in this church in Tokyo, and I was just crying out to the Lord because I felt a level of love because I was totally exposed. I had nothing to fall back on. And it built something inside of me, a glory that was built inside of me that was a taste of, some, of what is to come, and I, and I yearn for that more. And the truth is, is that we live in a culture where you don't get pressed very often. And I'm not trying to minimize any of the things that any of you are going through. Everything in some ways is relevant to what you're going through. I mean, if I went to the gym right now and tried to bench press 200 pounds, I guarantee you I'd feel like it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Now, if I was bench pressing 200 pounds for like three months, it'd be a different story, right? But we, you have to recognize this. How many of you took public transportation to church tonight? None. <laughs> How many of you drove here in your car? And your car's pretty spacious, let's be honest. How many of you could go to Sam's Club and pick up a, a, a meal and just put it on the crock pot and be done in 45 minutes? I can tell you from traveling around the world, this is unusual. <laughs> we are removed from the daily pressures of life that many billions of people around the world have to experience. If you don't get into the bus, if you elbow your way in, you're going to miss it. There's a pressure that comes with that. Moran can talk a little bit about this in a minute, of living in Israel where people are shooting rockets at you thousands of times a year. And you're a minority and nobody likes you. They don't want to hear about Jesus or Yeshua. They want you to go away. We have to volunteer ourselves sometimes for pressure so that we can learn how to press on. Last point. Sorry, let me go back. This is an important point, actually. I don't want to overlook the fact that you're not called to just press, 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 press all the time. It doesn't make you more holy. It doesn't make you more righteous if you're just volunteering yourself for hardship all the time. Look what it says in 2 Thessalonians 1.7. God will provide rest for you who are being pressed. And in the midst of everything that I've been going through personally in the last six months of all this travel and the stuff with my dad and a couple of other bumps along the way. I can tell you this has been one of the most restful seasons of my life. I've been tired. I've been at my wit's end, shed a lot of tears. But man, my soul has been at rest because God promises there's a rest for you if you're being pressed. So cling on to that. If you're going through something hard tonight, there is a rest for you. God's extending it to you. Last point, pressing past. 1 Samuel 30. This is a story about King David. King David had been rejected by Saul, and Saul is hunting him down, so he goes and hides out with the Philistines, Israel's enemy. And then the Philistines reject him and say, we don't want you around here. You're going to turn an attack on us when we, when we go into war. Get out of here. David's dejected. He's been dejected because he was rejected by Saul. Now he's been rejected by the Philistines. This guy's been anointed king of Israel. Where is God in this? Double rejection, hardship at every turn. So he says, okay, I guess I'll pick up my stuff and go home. Three days they walk to get back to his home. Look what it says. Three days later when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, 
they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They, Negev is the desert in the south of Israel. They crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They'd carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw this, saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. I mean, can you imagine what this guy's feeling right now? He goes from slinging a rock at Goliath and being basically crowned the king of Israel, and everyone is just in, you know, Saul has killed his hundreds, David's killed his thousands, they're chanting for him in the streets, he's the hero. Now he's been rejected twice, he goes to his hometown, everything's gone, wiped out completely. Some of us have been in these places. You're just like, can I get a break? I just want one break, Lord. And all you can do is weep until you can weep no more. David was being pressed, just like Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 4. So then look at this. David's two wives, Ahinoam and Jezreel, uh, from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured, so his wife is gone. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. So he's dejected. He doesn't even have time to weep for himself because the guys that were with him, his mighty men, want to kill him. Look what it says in verse 6. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James Version says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. The word encouraged literally means to put courage in. He did the only thing he knew to do. He couldn't turn anywhere else. He went to the Lord and said, God, put some courage in me. Please put some courage in me. I don't know what to do. And this is what set David apart. This is what made David the great king of Israel. Then he said to Abithar the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after these band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Verse 9, so David and his 600 men set out, and they came to the brook Besor. He pushed past. He said, you know what? I could sit here and wallow and succumb to the pressures, or I can push past them. I can go to the Lord and find his strength, find encouragement, and I can push past this. He got up and started after him. But then look what happened. But 200 of the men were too exhausted to cross the brook. So David continued the pursuit with 400 men. That word exhausted is the Hebrew word pagan, which is also sometimes used to be like a corpse. They get to this brook and the guy's like, I'm not going, David. Forget this. I'm literally dead. I have nothing left to give. No motivation. And I think a lot of us can relate to David. You're pressing, you're going, you're pushing. You're in the life of faith. Things are coming at you. And man, you're moving, you know. I'm pressing in, Lord. I'm going through this. I'm walking with you hand in hand. And then all of a sudden, people start deserting you. What's going on? I'm too exhausted. You go. I can't go anymore. You're going you're gonna to do this one on your own, man. You're going to have to figure this one out on your own. I'm too exhausted. When pressures exhaust us, we're not pressing in anymore. When we succumb to the pressures of being exhausted, we won't press in. I'm tired. I'm just going to stop. Take a break. Look what Paul says in Philippians 3, 13. I focus on this one thing. One thing. You know, uh, in today's day and age, we love to hear from, like, really successful people. Hey, what's the one thing you did to become successful? 
What's the one thing you do every day before you wake up? What's the one book you read? What's the one? I mean, we're kind of hungry for this, right? If you go back in time and ask Paul, one of the most famous believers in the hall of faith, here's what he says. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. There's two things, probably, that will exhaust us and keep us from forgetting the past and looking forward to what's ahead and pressing on in life. Not just two, but two major ones are fear and failure. But Lord, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen if I get back up again. I've been punched in the mouth twice now. I don't want to get back up. I don't know what's going to happen if I step out across this. What's going to happen if I cross this brook? I'm already exhausted. 200 of those people with David said, I'm, I, I can't do it. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. We're just going to get raided again. I can almost, I'm sure that that's what was being talked about. Or that, man, we've already failed. Look, we couldn't even get accepted by the Philistines. We come back here. Our wives and children are gone. Everything's gone. It's over, dude. Throw in the towel. We're done. We're not going to win the next one. So what's the point of trying? I can tell you, I've thought these thoughts. I think about them daily. In our own context, each of, every single one of us has that voice inside of us. Don't do that. You're going to screw up. Don't do that. You're going to fail. Especially when you're exhausted. That's the hardest time to get back up. When you've literally given everything. There's nothing else left. And you've, you think to yourself, I've done everything. I mean, I've, I've, there, that's what I was telling Tony. Dude, I've already said everything that needs to be said. I've already given more than I should have given. Why should I get on a plane for four hours and fly to Ethiopia and do more? I am exhausted. And I'm afraid it's a waste of my time. And I'm afraid that nothing else is going to come out of it. So what's the point? And each of us are tempted to this at some point in our lives. I like what Jack Hayford says, especially about fear. Fears are today's lies about tomorrow's promise. If you're exhausted, or if you've been exhausted, and you will be exhausted, so I don't have to say, or if you will be exhausted, because you will, remember that when fear and failure become a voice knocking on the door of your head, all it's trying to do is to tell you a lie today that tomorrow is not going to be any better. And it's not true. I'll end with this. I mentioned that in the Bible, in 1 Samuel 30, it says that David and his troops came to what is called the Brook Besor. And this is how cool the Lord is and how he uses the land of Israel to press his people. And you can read, if you go to the land of Israel, you'll see this is not a country that's easy. He specifically put them in there because he wanted to press them and make them depend on him. So David comes to the brook Besor. The Hebrew word Besor means cheerful. The word Besorah is the word for good news. You want to talk about the gospel to someone in Israel, you would say the Besorah, the good news of Yeshua. Think of the juxtaposition of this, of all the tragedy that's happened, and they come to a brook, and the brook's name is the Cheerful Brook. (laughs) Hey guys, let's cross the Cheerful Brook. 
and go on and capture our wives back after everything's been destroyed. I got to believe that that didn't fall on them without a little bit of somebody picking up on it. These 400 guys. We're about to cross the cheerful brook here. (laughs) Maybe we could make a choice right now on whether or not we're going to sit back and let this thing overcome us or we're going to press past it, forget what's behind, look forward to what's ahead, press on. And maybe that choice is to have a little bit of joy. Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. And I got to believe that David, the writer of this psalm, maybe wrote that out of that moment when he encouraged himself in the Lord after everything was wiped out. And he came up to the brook, and I can't say that this happened, but I like to indulge my imagination. And he gave a rousing speech with a great illustration. Look at this brook, guys. Let's jump into the cheerful stream. Let's jump into the joy, and let's go forward. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and he gives us joy to protect us, to strengthen us, and to help us believe that tomorrow's promises will come true. I want to pray for you and myself, because I need this as much as anyone else. Lord, I know you're calling us to something that's more than we can handle, calling us to press in. You're calling us to run this race with perseverance. You're calling us to make a choice to press in. You're calling us to make a choice that when we're pressed, we press on. And you're calling us to make a choice to forget that which is behind us, to look forward to the goal, and to press on. And Lord, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I thank you that we can encourage ourselves in you, and we can find courage in you, and that you give us the strength to press on. And so, Lord, I pray that if anyone here tonight is feeling exhausted by fear or failure or any other thing, by the voluntary, involuntary pressures of life, by the things that they've been punched in the mouth with, Lord, I just pray that they would step into that stream in their heart right now to find the joy of the Lord, to to get back up, to press in, to run this race so that we can hear you say, Lord, at the end of the day, Well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord, I confess I'm not interested in what I accomplish in life and how good it looks or bad it looks. Lord, I just want to hear you say that. I really do. So help me, Lord. Help me to find a way to live my life to hear you say that. Help us to find a way to hear you say that, Lord, to be an example to this community of those who are pressing in in this race. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.